class is going to teach you how to conquer your fears. I'm going to teach you how to awaken the snake within you. Points or no points, you're dead meat. Dead meat. <laughs> it's Cobra Kai. What then? Shall we go on sinning if the grace may increase? No, What are you looking at? Finish him! Are you sure you're ready? Because once you go down this path, there's no turning back. You're gonna be my karate teacher? No. I'm gonna be your sensei. You're listening to Give Sin a Body Bag, a podcast about offensive sanctification. Of martial arts, doing yard work, beating the crosses all the devil, like a Quiet! All right, fall in. That means line up. Come on. No, not single file in lines. Come on. Do you mean in like rows? Yes, I mean in like rows. Judas Priest. From now on, when I say fall in, that means line up in nice, neat rows. Okay? Those of you who make it past today, anyway. All right, so listen up. I'm Zach. I'll be your sensei. When you address me, you will call me sensei or sensei Zach or Reverend Sensei Zach MDiv. We'll have some other senseis coming in in future classes, Sensei Ted, Sensei Josh, but for now, it's just me. That means you don't listen to your guidance counselor anymore. You're going to listen to me. And before we can even begin, everyone has to sign these waivers, releasing the dojo from any liability. Basically, it just says you won't sue the dojo if you hurt yourself or break a nail or misunderstand the nature of the whole thing and turn into a huge jerk or whatever. So you guys just stand there at ease. I'm going to read this thing, and then you're going to sign it, or you can hit the road. All right. A veritable tapestry of disclaimers. No, no, you don't get to turn this around on me. Miguel Diaz, Cobra Kai, Season 1, Episode 9. What you're listening to right now is a podcast from Gut Check Press. Maybe you're familiar with our content, our other pods, our books. Cardiff Giant, have you dealt with our people before? Anyway, the point is that Gut Check specializes in snark and satire, but almost always in the service of making a greater point. And many a chump has gotten all twisted up reading or listening to our stuff because he didn't know what sort of thing he'd stumbled into. So let me enlighten you. Yes, this is a parody of the endless parade of the gospel according to insert pop culture phenomenon books, which started in the late 90s and never quite died. They just kind of evolved and morphed over the years. And yet, I hope you'll find it helpful in a straightforward way as well. I hope that at the end of each episode of this podcast miniseries, you will be pumped to mortify the flesh and spin kick sin in the face. I mean, what's the point of having cake if you're not also going to eat it? You're going to just, like, look at it? That's weird. Obviously, we don't intend to mock the truths about sanctification contained in the scriptures. And the thesis of this book stands, we believe, without a trace of irony. That thesis being, when it comes to our war against sin, we need to be a lot less like Daniel LaRusso and a lot more like Johnny Lawrence. So let's get the obvious disclaimery stuff out of the way right off the bat. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy is the opposite of what Jesus taught about how we should treat our enemies. Duh. He told us to turn the other cheek, love our enemies, pray for them, etc., etc. But he was talking about our human enemies. 
They're not our true enemies. Our true enemies, the enemies in view in this podcast, aren't human at all. They're what Paul was talking about in Ephesians 6 when he said, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our true enemies are the world, the devil, and especially our sin natures. The real battle in which we find ourselves is a spiritual battle against our own sinful hearts and shameful lusts, working in concert with the powers of spiritual darkness and the godless culture in which we find ourselves. And the strategy and attitude Scripture describes for waging this war is downright brutal. If that enemy strikes you on one cheek, break his knee so he can't follow you. On this battlefield, Cobra Kai's way of the fist is a perfect philosophy. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Sadly, we have a tendency to be as harsh as we can possibly get away with when dealing with earthly enemies while putting on kid gloves and being as gentle as possible with temptation and the passions of the flesh. We need to flip that backwards. The old man living in you is your enemy. An enemy deserves no mercy, and the way we treat him should make a Cliff Graham novel look like an episode of Paw Patrol. Also obvious, on a literal level, Johnny Lawrence is not a great role model. At 51 years old, he's shiftless, sexist, kind of xenophobic, and totally clueless. But he knows this, and he's trying to get better, and in that way, maybe he is worthy of emulation. We love to see his character grow an inch at a time, even while he keeps that killer instinct. Of course, this podcast is a flash in the pan, a way of using a momentary TV show, and by that I mean two great movies, a crappy movie, and a YouTube-slash-Netflix series to illustrate timeless truths. If you aren't familiar with the mythos of the Cobra Kai, you might still dig this miniseries, but maybe you should just cut your losses and get a copy of John Owen's On the Mortification of Flesh instead, a book which is the exact opposite of A Flash in the Pan. In fact, you should buy that and read it Regardless, aside, if you've struggled to read this amazing work in the past because of the archaic language, please know we will soon have a modern paraphrase coming from Gut Check Press. And of course, by soon, we mean sometime in the next two years, because that's kind of how Gut Check promises and delivers. And finally, this podcast is not an endorsement of any movie or television series. We recognize that Cobra Kai Season 1, which we will mostly focus on, contained some crass stuff, sexual references and F-bombs that not only didn't fit the tone and didn't add anything of value, but were truly the only things that kept Cobra Kai from being near-perfect entertainment. They cleaned it up a bit for Season 2, and let's hope Season 3 is even better in that regard. Also... Spoiler alerts, obviously, but only for season one, at least until we get to episode six and really focus in on season two. And now, having fully disclaimed, you need to sign on the dotted line here because it is time to learn the way of the fist. Starting with your orientation. Orientation is going to span two classes, so buckle in, pay attention, I'm not going to repeat myself. Ex-degenerate, man. The way of the fist is not delicate. Johnny Lawrence, Cobra Kai, Season 1, Episode 7. The first canonical words spoken by Johnny Lawrence are telling. Bobby has just called him the ace degenerate, and Johnny gently corrects him, saying, No, ex-degenerate, man. 8 a.m. tomorrow morning, I'm a senior, I've got one year to make it work, and that's what I'm going to do. Make it work. All of it. High fives all around. 
or actually like 80s, like gimme fives, like where you hold it out horizontal, not up high or down low or too slow, just right. And this is a good place to start in applying the way of the fist to our sanctification. Don't let the enemy label you an ace degenerate. Yeah, yeah, Bobby's technically a Cobra Kai, but he's more LaRusso than Lawrence, as we'll see, at least in the 80s. He whines all the time, he's got a Daniel-san haircut, even mopes when it's time to take out Daniel at the knee. Sometimes the most dangerous lies, the kind that get up in your kitchen and sap your will to fight, can come from false brothers. If you're in Christ, you're no longer degenerate. You're ex-degenerate. Or a way less awkward way to put that would be you're regenerate. You're a new creation, and you've been empowered to make it work. All of it. And by make it work, of course, I mean kill and destroy sin and temptation whenever they show themselves. Remember who you are. Look at this guy, eating his dinner at the mini-mart like a bum. Unnamed douche. Cobra Kai. Pilot. Now jump ahead three and a half decades to when we first meet Johnny Lawrence, circa 2018. He's floating through life, doing a crap job he hates, self-medicating his way through a depressing existence with Coors Banquets, which somehow seems just as sad as meth or black tar heroin because... yuck. Within the first few scenes, he loses his job and is subsequently mistaken for a homeless person twice. The first time by an actual homeless person who is irate that Johnny might be preparing to, quote, hustle some coin at her mart. Then, as if that isn't low enough, he goes to jail. And when he gets out, one of the first things he says is, quote, forget it, I don't do karate anymore. See, the problem is that Johnny Lawrence has forgotten who he is. He's two-time All-Valley Karate Champion. He's a Cobra Kai. He's just not living like one. And maybe you've forgotten who you are as well. Maybe you can barely remember the exhilaration of first tying on that black headband and committing yourself completely to a way of life, a philosophy, and a community. It's been years since you hopped on your Honda 600 or did a flying front kick, and you only pull out that sweet armless gi with the snake on the back for special occasions. You've stopped fighting sin and started taking the Daniel LaRusso approach, wherein you snivel and moan and try to talk your way out of everything. It's time, in the words of Johnny Lawrence, to shed your loser skin and rediscover the cobra within. And in order to do that, you first have to stop letting your enemy define you. Throwing off the old. Miguel, those guys are scoundrels to us, too. They call me Rhea. Sam, not anymore. Miguel, yeah, not anymore. Cobra Kai, Season 1, Episode 6. Do you remember why Kyler and his little band of vaping losers called Miguel Rhea? Because one time he bought Pepto-Bismol. That's just stupid. And it's exactly the tactic the world and the devil continue to use. And it's working great. They tell us over and over again that what you've done equals who you are. Now, this is a particularly cunning lie for Christians because it used to be true. You sinned and you were a sinner. You lied and you were a liar. You rebelled against God and you were a rebel, storing up more and more wrath against the day of wrath. But that is no longer the case. Granted, some of the accusations whispered in our ears will have some truth to them. And that makes them even more dangerous. For example, Johnny was a terrible father, barely involved in his son Robbie's life, but that doesn't mean that he has to continue to be that. It doesn't mean it's what he was meant to be. 
Maybe you struggle with lust or rage or pride, and you often hear a little voice, or more likely feel a voice, telling you, We both know who you really are, what goes on in your heart and your mind. And you sense there's some twisted kernel of truth there, so shame begins to take hold. Throughout The Karate Kid, 1984, Daniel LaRusso makes a big hammy show out of listening to that little voice. But you're no Daniel LaRusso. Now, some books or podcasts might advise you to answer that voice, even answer it out loud. But this isn't a debate class. This is Cobra Kai. Respond to that voice as violently as possible. After all, it's speaking blasphemy, making light of the blood of Christ shed for your sins and therefore deserves a fist in the mouth. But you might be thinking, what does that even look like? Subquestion: is this going to be some cringy, youth group skit-esque Carmen video from the 80s of a podcast in which we cheesily boast about karate chopping the devil or blasting him in the dome or something? No, not in the least. The Cobra Kai approach to sanctification means you harness your anger at that little voice and its stupid lies and unleash it on your sins. Remember when Kyler snuck up on Johnny and the pilot and was choking him for about a second and a half? What did Johnny do? Give up? Tap out? <laughs> no, he did what a cobra does, slither, and then threw Kyler off his back with no small amount of rage. The apostle instructs us to do the same thing in Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We all have besetting sins. We all have weaknesses. But they're not who you are if you're in Christ. Throw them off, beat them down, curb stomp them. No mercy. If this all seems like hyperbole, I assure you it is not. It's just that most Christians today are content to continue playing the hapless, helpless victim in their own spiritual development. Their favorite move when the enemy confronts them is to do what Danielle LaRusso tends to do, which is say, come on, man, in a whiny, sniveling voice while his enemy pushes him around at will. John Owen, whom I will quote frequently in this program, has no use for this LaRusso spirituality, although he doesn't actually call it that, at least not that I know of. In On the Mortification of Sin, chapter 2, Owen writes, He that stands still and suffers his enemy to double blows upon him without resistance will undoubtedly be conquered in the issue. If sin be subtle, watchful, strong, and always at work in the business of killing our souls— and we be slothful, negligent, foolish, and proceeding to the ruin thereof, can we expect a comfortable event? Now, Owen was just being old-timey there at the end with the comfortable event thing, but I think it's telling that that's exactly what a lot of Christians today are looking for. A nice comfortable event. That's spirituality. That's sanctification. Go sit at a nice comfortable event, sip a latte, maybe head out to the merch area for a while, and that's all that really matters. And that just makes me want to puke. I'm going to do something unpopular right now, which is to favorably quote Mark Driscoll. It's a famous quote. Years, years and years ago, people got all twisted up about it. You remember when Driscoll said, In Revelation, Jesus is a prize fighter with a tattoo down his leg, a sword in his hand, and the commitment to make someone bleed. That is the guy I can worship. I cannot worship the hippie diaper halo Christ because I cannot worship a guy I can beat up. Now, everyone freaked out and lost their collective mind, and yeah, there's some stuff wrong with the quote, of course, but what he was getting at was, Christianity is not a series of comfortable events. 
old Drisky knew that. Sadly, new Drisky has gone from Cobra Kai to full LaRusso. We'll discuss that with some of the other senseis in a later episode, but for now, it'll just serve as a segue to this question. Who do you want to be? So that heading sounded like an open-ended rhetorical question, but let me tell you what the right answer is. You don't want to be an entitled little wad of cookie dough like Anthony LaRusso, drinking the lobster butter, yelling at his dad to, quote, hurry up and bring me a drink, and declaring, all the coolest people go to hell. By the way, this is all the natural fruit of a LaRusso attitude and upbringing. Anthony says he thinks karate is boring, but more likely he just doesn't want to get off the couch for two seconds and risk breaking a sweat. The church visible is full of Anthony LaRussos. They can't be bothered to read the scripture for more than five minutes a day or fast and pray. Seriously, if there's an opposite of fasting, it's drinking the lobster butter. In a church culture where meeting felt needs is the goal, no wonder we're overrun with spiritually sluggish, weak-willed doughboy Christians. Don't be an Anthony. Oh, and while you're at it, don't be a Dimitri. If the youngest LaRusso represents sneering spiritual entitlement, Dimitri is the other side of the coin, a complacently defeated loser. You realize what table you're sitting at, right? Dimitri mumbles at Miguel, indicating that he may as well give up on life. After all, he says in Season 1, Episode 2, while never attempting anything great means he'll never accomplish anything, he'll also never suffer a humiliating rejection. I'm at peace with my depression. <laughs> Loser. Dimitri hates the idea of standing up to an assailant and can't understand what's so awesome about Cobra Kai, declaring in Season 1, Episode 5, This goes against everything I stand for. It's like extra gym class for no reason. What a pansy. Don't be a spiritual Dimitri. If you act and think and talk like an Anthony or a Dimitri, don't kid yourself that down deep you're really a Cobra Kai. You're not. As Charles Haddon Spurgeon reminds us in the oddly feminine-sounding Flowers from a Puritan's Garden, if you saw a man laboring in filthy ditches and soiling himself as poor men do, would you believe that he was the heir to a crown, called to inherit a kingdom? Princes should behave as princes. Their haunts should be in palaces, not amid dung heaps. How then is it that some who profess and call themselves Christians are found rummaging in questionable amusements to discover pleasure, and many others are groping amid sordid avarice to find satisfaction and wealth? What are they doing to be thus disgracing the blood royal? How dare they drag the name of the blessed and only potentate through the mire? Come, my soul, do you behave royally? I am made a king by Jesus Christ. Are my bearing and lifestyle answerable to the dignity laid upon me? Lord, you must teach your poor child. I have so long been a vagabond and an outcast that unless you teach me that majestic lifestyle of your holy courts, I will dishonor both myself and you. Mercy is for the weak. We do whatever it takes to keep our heads above water. We do whatever it takes to keep moving forward. We do whatever it takes to win. Remember who you are. You're Cobra Kai. Johnny Lawrence, Cobra Kai, Season 1 Finale. In Colossians 3, 5-7, St. Paul tells us, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these things, in the life you once lived. 
You're likely not listening to this if you don't consider yourself a Christian, meaning that you've, one, believed in the Lord Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection, per Romans 10.9, and two, repented, Acts 20.21, meaning, of course, that you've turned from your sin. We repent initially when we come to faith, but we also do it every day of our lives. That's the fight we're in. If you've been ignoring that fight, going with the flow, walking in the ways of the earthly nature, the wide road, the LaRusso path, it's time to ask yourself a tough question. Am I really following Jesus? Am I really a disciple? If the answer is yes, then put on that black gi and start fighting back. Remember who you are. And even if you haven't been backsliding or falling away, it's always a good idea to redouble your efforts every so often and remind yourself of your goals. Love your Savior hate your sin. Kill your sin. After all, this is literally the fight of your life. And one of the greatest dangers for disciples that we must always be on guard against and rage against is that God's grace will start to feel commonplace, ordinary, non-amazing. If you're not careful, even without some major backsliding or falling headlong into sin, we can still go full LaRusso, where we sin, little stuff, and then bigger, more and more, counting on God's grace to cover our mounting tab. This Danielle approach to the Christian life is condemned in Romans 6, which begins with the question, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? The answer given varies from translation to translation. The NIV says, By no means. The ESV weirdly says the same thing. And, I mean, I guess that gets the point across, but it sounds to me so stilted and monocle-wearing, like, like in a pig's eye, or not a chance, my good man. That's not what we're dealing with here. Some translations say, may it never be, and yes, that woodenly does the job of translating those two Greek words, may genoita. Uh, it's simply a negating particle, may, plus genoita, which is a, a verb. If you're interested, it's in the optative mood, and it's the uh, third-person singular aorist middle of genomai. But that doesn't really grasp the, the thrust, the connotation of the phrase. The King James gets closer when it says, God forbid. My advanced Greek professor in seminary said that me genoita means H-E double hockey sticks no. He said that because he was trying to be politic, and he worked in the midst of a bunch of Baptists. And I admit, I've said the same thing while teaching at my church. But here in the dojo, I think we can speak freely. Me genoita kind of means, hell no. Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? The very idea of presuming upon God's grace is from hell. And no, we cannot let it get a toehold in our lives. That's why Paul uses the strongest possible language here. Me genoita. And yet, everywhere you look, that LaRusso spirituality is seeping in. That doesn't say may genoita, but maybe genoita. Maybe, maybe not genoita. Aside, what I just did was crazy clever, and I bet within a year it's going to work its way through like the backbone of the internet until somebody like Matt Chandler or someone says it in a sermon and gets credit for it. But remember, came from our dojo first. Anyway, the point is, we cannot be the maybe genoita people. Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? God forbid, may it never be. All right, let's put a pin in it there. We're going to finish our orientation next time. For now, hit the showers and hit subscribe so you don't miss the next class, which actually has been dropped concurrently with this one wherever you get your podcasts. Unless otherwise indicated, scripture quotations are from the ESV Bible. Holy Bible.
Bible English Standard Version, copyright 2001 by Crossway, the publishing ministry of Good News Publishers, used by permission, all rights reserved. The Karate Kid, The Karate Kid Part 2, and The Karate Kid Part 3 are all copyright Columbia Pictures Corporation. Cobra Kai, The Karate Kid Saga Continues, is copyright 2018, Overbrook Entertainment, and Sony Pictures. Columbia Pictures, Overbrook Entertainment, and Sony Pictures have not endorsed this production in any way. References to characters and short quotations from these materials are used for critical and or satirical purposes. Cut.